Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson, and today I'm joined, like always, by my brother from another mother and co-host, Corey BMTG. What is up, my brother? From well, don't sound mother. Don't sound so like dejected there and be like, like always, I guess I'm joined by my flesh and blood, my favorite human ever, but I will be real honest with you. Um, yeah, I, I deckless for the MPL split were due this morning. Yeah, and I'm testing with uh, some European friends. OK, and so I was up super late and then even got up after only sleeping for two hours to finalize decks before 8 a.m. this morning. OK, and uh, I am I am starting to become an old man. So uh, these like all nighter nights, they are really affecting me and I am a little delirious, but I can oh. pull through. I can get through today. I actually have a lot of information that I want to get through. Yeah, I feel, like, I feel like an encyclopedia of standard knowledge right now, which is great. <laughs> Uh, we have I, both I been have playing a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I played way more magic in the last like week and a half than I have all year. Well, Brad, I got to say, I got to say, I have been incredibly stressed uh, this week as well. Guess what I have been doing? Uh, I, I don't know. What, what have you been doing, bro? I have uh, now that I've had a little bit more free time, me and uh, my fiance have picked up the buying a house process again. So we've been like checking out a ton of houses, going, seeing a lot of showings and stuff. And it is just an overwhelming process. That's slightly stressful. It's exceptionally overwhelming. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, but that is great. Before we get too deep into the episode, we do need to say that if you're listening to this on a social media platform right now, you can follow it and listen to every episode on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Also mm. on iTunes, leave us a review because I like reading about us because I'm a narcissist, but also it does help uh, <laughs> with the algorithms and such for showing us off. So if you like our episodes, oh, cool. please go make a comment and give us a review. Now, if you don't like our episodes, there's always Shaheen. Yeah, I was going to say, I've left a lot of negative uh, reviews on there, but they just get deleted, and then I see them on Shaheen's Twitter feed. So that must be you? Oh, it is, yes. I, I, oh, just, okay. I just moved them, yes. Cool, um, sorry. I'll just I'll just put them there in the first place. Sorry to create extra work for you there, bro. Yeah, no, not a problem. <laughs> no, no. Like I said about Standard, the reason we've been playing is because the Rivals at MPL League play starts this weekend, and there's a lot oh, yeah. of overwhelming information about how that's going to happen and what's going to happen there, and we're going to... Ignore that and just talk about the cards today, but they did announce feature matches and I have one of the, the feature matches this weekend. And, and so I thought it'd be really cool since I already know who I'm going to play um, to reach out to that person to see if they would, you know, want to be on the podcast as our, our as this week's special guest and maybe give us some of their trade secrets. And so we invited none other than Mr. Brian Brandua and BBD. How is it going? Oh, it is going great. Um, I'm 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 so excited to be able to be on this podcast and also to compete this weekend, knowing that I get um, one super easy free win already. Uh, so that oh, is yeah. uh, wonderful. <laughs> really going great. It uh, seems like you do have the buy there. That's for sure. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I would like to say that. Um, that is very mean to say about Andrea Mangucci. Now, I did annihilate <laughs> yeah. him in the Invitational, but it's still just unnecessary, in my opinion. I mean, right, from, what so I, from what I've seen on Twitter, Andrea Mangucci is foretelling some doom, so I'm biased. I think he is going to take it down. You guys are in trouble, because that's just the best deck by far. Mm. But one thing I will have to say about you guys having a feature match 
if I end up doing the coverage for your guys' specific match, so far, whenever I've covered either of you, you have all lost. You're 0-3 when I have been commentating over it. So I guess I finally get to break uh, break that trend so, if so you guys play each other. Get, so you'll finally get to see uh, who wins between a movable object and a stoppable force. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or or watch. Here, here's what's going to happen is BBD submitted Scut Mob, and it's going to just make too many of them crash, and it's going to be a draw. That That's what I predict. Good. That would be yeah. great. <laughs> Too bad this isn't on Magic Online so that I can time out as I attack for lethal to get the message good game, it's a draw. Oh no, so. you can oh yeah, I guess it won't be a draw, but you can still time out, buddy, and lose. <laughs> no, I don't Don't worry, your dreams can still happen here. I want to do the magic online timeout as attacking for lethal. That that's the that, that's the dream right fair, there. Fair. All right. So uh before we get into this week's episode, um uh, which is going to be uh, a standard metagame breakdown. We've all been playing yep. a decent amount. Well, at least we've all been playing more than we usually do. That is a true yeah. statement. We've all uh, been playing the most standard we've been playing in months. And yeah. for Brian, that just may not be that much magic. As much as much as <laughs> us. But I've been yeah. playing uh, so much. Like, I have so many hours logged in. Um, mm. But before we move into our standard breakdown, where we're going to be listing... Um, all the decks in the format from what we think is best to worst and why. So mm -hmm. I think, I think that's a really good, uh, interesting topic in the way to break down this metagame. Cause there's a lot of decks. Tons. Uh, but before we do that, let's, uh, let's look through some of the uh, past results from this past weekend. Uh, Cause as you all know that this, this is the official podcast of MTG melee. And there is more and more and more awesome tournaments showing up on MTG melee each and every week. And so there's a lot to get through here. So I'm going to not try to do this all in one breath, but starting <laughs> things off, uh, our tournament, the Bachelors Podcast Tournament, sponsored by BCW Supplies, yep. uh, was taken down by none other than Sandy Dog MTG beating me in the finals. Uh, yeah. And so that was a lot of fun. Our mini so this week is breaking that tournament down. So if you are a patron, you can go uh, to patreon.com and look at our page and you can find our most recent uh, mini so breaking that tournament down. The Mythic Society set roulette tournament was won by Brian Paris. That is where six random sets and you have to build decks. It's really cool. The MTGA zone historic open that they run at least two or three times a week or a month was won by Simon Escobar. Now, do we know what Simon was playing? Because I, I haven't seen a historic tournament in so long. I wonder if it still kind of looks the same as uh, uh, the grand finals. Uh, I do not have that. Not sure. Okay. Well, sorry. I set you up for failure there. Well, not really mm -hmm. because uh, because it is so easy to find this To check out. out. All right. Yeah, all right. So, I so easy to find this out. All right. Cut for 35 seconds. <laughs> yeah. <Med -range. laughs> Jonathan, so, cut out this next 45 seconds while we look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, uh, it was four color mid range with the Sharns in the main. And Omnath? Or yeah, that ground. kind of far? Okay. okay, cool, cool. And then, Makes sense. Yep, uh, Andre Strowski won the CFBA, CFB showdown, uh, <laughs> but did lose to LSV in the finals finals, so I guess that yeah. just undid the 9-0. So he didn't get the double, was it like double prize if you beat LSV or something like that? Yeah, yep. you get, you get yep. double prize. But yeah, Andre was one of their uh, bounties and never lost the bounty, just won nine matches in a row. 
I mean, they both had something in common. They were both correct in playing the most beautiful bird serpent there is in the form of Yorian. So smart, smart gentleman right there. One person played green while the other played blue. And we all know how that goes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Wait, who won the blue? Blue The blue. blue, blue, LSB with uh, the Azorius blink strategy, except with sublime epiphany, which that card's pretty good at at countering that triggered ability from Yori and I learned uh, actually in our Bash Bros podcast event. So I understand that these CFB Pro things are fun and all, and Mm -hmm. I don't know if they level, but that structure to me is so flawed. I agree. Because the the, the CFB, now it is just free value, right? You get to double your money if you beat the person. Yeah. You're never going to play against like Mono Red, right? You might, maybe you play against Gruul because Gruul's good now, but like, you know, there's usually always a winner's metagame. And uh, I would disagree, actually, because I played in that event and played mono red round one. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm saying once you're in the finals, once you've got oh. nine rounds, the CFP pro is like there's decks that just they will never play against. Yeah, now, I but like, they're not, I don't know. If they're that. not caring. Yeah, it's not like that big of a deal and also like it's like oh man it sucks that i went 9-0 in this tournament and now (laughs) i did perfectly metagame for the cfp pro like no one's saying that (laughs) no no no, of course not of course not and also lsv's decklist had so many fun ups oh yeah for sure and i i actually suggested i was hanging out in chat just watching it uh the finals because i i streamed it at the beginning of the day and just played i was 3-0 and then lost um, but I was just, uh, someone was saying, okay, you know, you can double your prizes if you beat LSV here, but I thought it would be a cool system where if LSV loses, he has to pay into CFB <laughs> that amount and Strosky, you know, gets to take <laughs> it all or vice versa. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But it's uh, still be funny. Speaking <laughs> of what I was just saying though, um, I, I just, uh, won. So there's this tournament, uh, for, uh, the uh what what is it called again uh, it was uh the the streamer yes i just want to get the name of it yes the uh yeah. the lfm streamer showdown for degrees of madness this yep. was an eight person double elimination streamer event that i played the other night and i won the first flight now there's now how the structure works is there's two flights of eight and then the winners of both flights play each other for to double their their prize winning so i won five hundred dollars by winning my flight and now next okay. Monday, I will play the winner of that flight for five hundred more dollars. Bradley, get me into that other flight so I can battle you. I think they already have the <laughs> uh, the flights already locked in. But shots. I, I I brought this up once I learned the system because I didn't think about it. But like the person who wins the first flight is at a significant advantage if they do things correctly, because I will resubmit my deck on Sunday just for a finals match. So I get to try to pick a winner's metagame deck. Okay. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, that don't, makes sense. Do, do they not get to resubmit their deck? <laughs> I don't think so, but I'm going to talk to them and say that they should be able to submit a deck for their their top eight, and then if they win, they they can switch to a different deck they've already pre-selected. Yeah, that seems like a an easy well, switch to make. Well, that actually, would be fair. No, that, yeah. Then that would be unfair for me because they all know they're playing against me, and I don't know who I'd play against them. So is, mm, yeah, right? okay, right? Like. I, I don't really understand what's going on, so I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so, so there's an eight-person tournament next Monday. And, and the then win- the, the finals winner- match is happening the same night as that tournament? Yes. 
Okay, that makes sense. Though. Yes. The to winner- be fair, though, to be fair, though, like remember the Super League stuff. Like we knew the people we were playing against, but we both got to select decks, and that was super fun. Like we kind of got to metagame people, and you well, know, I mean, everyone's on equal yeah. footing. What I'm saying here is they have to register a deck, play an eight-person tournament. If they win that eight-person tournament, then they immediately play against me at the end of it. Oh, and I, have, okay. I get to reselect my deck because, or I'd have to play a week old deck. But you don't get to see their deck list. No, before I have you... to submit at the same time as them. But what I'm that saying seems is, fair. Yeah, that seems, seems fine. Yeah. Seems totally fine. Yeah. Well, but I'm yeah. saying that I get to select the winner's metagame deck. Okay, but that doesn't mean that that deck is going to win. Like I agree. Like I mean, honestly, sure. before today, if you would have told me that Gruel Adventures was a really good deck, spoiler alert, I would have called you crazy. You know, so you could be thinking wrong about a metagame, and then someone comes in with a different deck that crushes you. You know, I mean, you're just so. gonna pick. You're just gonna pick the deck that you want that you think is best anyway. And, and so are they. Yeah. And so are they. And what you know, you could both be right, or one of you could be wrong, or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem, doesn't seem it's something to me. I, I mean, it's not a lot and it's not that big mm-hmm. of a deal. And I'm still probably going to pick a fun of deck. But you don't even get to mm-hmm. see. It's not like you get to see the deck list before you pick your deck. Oh, of course so. not. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. So like you could metagame against a strategy and none of the eight players could even play that deck. Like, oh, of course. Yeah. 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 yeah unless you're metagaming, unless you're metagaming against Yorin, then you're probably right. Cause that, yeah. that is a good deck. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like I just, I, I probably get a decent amount of equity by just playing the anti-Yorian deck because odds are Yorian deck will win. Yeah, so yeah. if that's the case, then why isn't Yorian the top deck for our standard metagame breakdown? Well, it could be, Brian. Don't spoil it yet. That's true. I'm Yeah, I'm talking odds, right? Because like it's the most played deck. It might not be the best deck. Um, so I'm going to make a bold one, one thing. Let's move on. One yeah. last tournament. <laughs> JT won the Planeswalker Diaries $500 Patreon tournament. This is another podcast with uh, Seth Manfield, Danny T, and your arch nemesis. And, uh, Jason Fleurant. Planeswalker Diaries. Uh, and yeah, they, they, they're they starting to run uh, tournaments on MTG Melee as well, which is cool. All right, so. And it was, uh, sorry, one last thing on that. It was, their coverage was a blast to watch. So, I mean, check that out the next time they run it. I had I had a blast watching it uh, while they did it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun too. Mm-hmm. Speaking of nemesis is real fast. If <laughs> you become a nemesis of somebody by losing to them every time, doesn't that mean that, Brad, you're Sandy Dog's nemesis? <laughs> oh, for sure. Sandy Dog. <laughs> Sandy Dog <laughs> destroys me every time we play. It's absurd. I think I've beaten him like twice lifetime. You know, Brett, I have a little bit better, but I think I, uh, I, I've been clawing back lately because I've been beating him. But SCG Tour, like well, where I beat Jason Florent all the time, Sandy Dog was crushing me every single it's tournament. Absurd. It's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, sounds I, like everyone's I, just losing to Sandy Dog. He plays more. Th- I think he plays more magic than probably anybody else right like now. The two people, the yeah. two people that I have the worst records lifetime against are him and Reed Duke. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's absurd. Well, I mean, one of those makes sense. Why are you? Why, why are you losing, losing so much? Duke? Yeah. Why do you keep losing to Reed Duke? Like, <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Come on, Brad. <laughs> yeah, get your act together. Oh. <laughs> well, all right. So let's let's actually kick off things. So so let's th- do it. The Bass Bros Podcast is proudly sponsored by BCW Supplies. BCW offers great products at an even better price. From their Elite 2 sleeves to the deck bot line, you're sure to get an amazing product. 
I've been using their sleeves and deck boxes for the last year, and let me tell you, bro, their durability is unparalleled. Well, if you're interested in trying them out yourselves, you can go to bcwsupplies.com and order today. BCW Supplies, protect, store, display. Slogans, marketing, magic. Wow. All right, so so we're talking about the standard metagame. As everyone knows, there was a big banning uh, two weeks ago, and since then, the metagame has been evolving, and, you know, a lot of things have been said, and I'm not really going to... Which cards know, did they ban? They banned <laughs> Omnoth, Lucky Clover, and Escape to the Wild. And Hero of Precinct 1. Oh, no! I was hoping that it would escape the Van Hammer, but it did not. It's just too powerful. It's just too, it's just too powerful. Yeah, way too many 1-1s, yeah. Yeah. All right, so, so and, and since, since the evolution of the format, for a little backdrop, Dorian decks started uh, off strong, and mm-hmm. Blue-White turned into Green-White, turned into Bant, turned into Orzhov, turned into Esper, and there's just a ton of different Yorion decks out there. Um, and then also, it, you know, well, the format started with Rakdos and yeah. Rakdos came in strong, but kind of just Golgari Adventures as well. Yeah, Golgari Adventures. But yeah, they both kind of just started losing a lot, um, especially yeah. to Yorion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it, it, everyone was really, really afraid, you know, just the stream. I, I bas- basically been playing Yorian from the beginning just because it's my personal preference. Not even that I thought it was going to be that good. I was just stabbing in the dark and hoping it would be, Um, you know, just lucky me that it, it ended up being really, really good. But then everyone keeps thinking like, OK, is is Yorian just going to be the deck that you know, is so busted, it can't be beaten. And I think that is just a product of, you know, 2019, 2020 magic, where the first broken deck is usually just far too broken. But I do not think that's the case, just because Yorian has to play a certain kind of game plan to a sense. They have to be playing stuff to the board. They have to be playing sorcery speed stuff. Um, and, and that kind of deck and that kind of philosophy can be exploited. So I'm, I'm really curious to see Brad, like, you know, what your team came up with. And if it is the catch all be all when you've been testing something with such a big tournament in mind that you had to obviously stress test Yorian and find its weaknesses. So I, I don't think it is the end all be all like Omnath decks have been like Simic food. Um, but people are afraid of that. I think a little bit. Oh, for sure. And yeah, I think, I think the first thing that people have to understand about this format uh, is that there might not be a broken thing. And if there isn't a broken thing, then deck lists start to be able to archetypes, I should say archetypes start to be able to swing on a spectrum of mm-hmm. what they consider playable and what not. Uh, yeah. And, and what I mean by that is you can take an example, mono greens, an example, there's the mono green aggressive strategies. And then there's the croakies like troll strategy. That played yeah. Wicked Wolf and ramping up. And whether regardless of which one is good or not, um, <clears throat> I'm mostly saying like each deck has that spectrum. A a Gruel Adventures deck can play the Landfall and Gem Razors, or it can play Robber of the Rich, Rimrock Knights, and Questing Beasts. Yeah. The the Yorion decks can play a bunch of Solemn Similar Crumbs or Thirst for Knowledges and Counter Spells. Uh, yeah. And 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 so there's I mean Demir decks can play you know, eight creatures, 12 creatures, 16 creatures. They can, they can have shark typhoons or not. They can. Yeah. 
basically we just get back to a form where we can metagame again, where, you know, you can have certain cards that are going to be good in a certain week, like questing beast, or you can have cards that, you know, are going to be good in next week, like spot removal, you know, but it, that's a healthy standard format when you can metagame again, instead of you have to either play this broken strategy or you play one of the two archetypes that are heavily focused to beat that strategy because those are the only things you can do. Like each deck can transform in such a way to, uh, you know, facilitate against a certain metagame right now. And that's just what standard should be and what it has been pre-broken cards, you know? Yeah, what, what, yeah. What, what's been going on for the last year or two or three mm-hmm. is there is a single strategy that is more efficient and more powerful than everything else in the format. And so you can't fight through that deck. You either have to go completely over it so you can ignore what it's doing or under it and get through before it does its thing. And yep. so in those kind of metagames, your decks can't deviate too much. It's like you just have to completely change the archetype because you yep. can't just change the recipe just a little bit because you have to be so hyper-focused and efficient at the thing yeah. you're doing to exploit that thing. Or, or the disgusting aspect of uh, how it was the last two years is the first person that does this is like the revolutionary and it's just pre-sideboarding against the deck, you know, main deck, Aether Gusts, stuff like that. And that's just really bad. We're not at that point because there is still so many decks that if you're main decking, um, you know, cling to dust because Demir Rogues was the best card ever. And then you play against Gruel Aggro, you know, you're in a lot of trouble. That's still, we're not at that point because there is no one dominant deck um at least as far as i can see yeah i'm 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 completely with you there brian do you have anything to add to that or no i think you guys hit it perfect cool so so i just wanted to make sure to to preface this with that because well these are the decks that we like right now things are going to continuously change and the deck lists themselves are going to evolve um as things ebb and flow and so Mm -hmm. we're just trying to have our best shot and talk about where the matchups are right now but I don't think that, like, in a week, this is going to be that great of a reference coming back. I think the format's going to evolve very quickly, and you have to stay on top of everything. So, like, honestly, we could probably do this episode again next week, and it would just sound completely different. Um, and But that's so healthy, you know, when oh, we're... When, when it's just we're, our next week, we're like, okay, an, our next standard episode is which two cards we had to change from the main deck to try to beat Omnath. You know, that's not fun. Yeah, I'm skeptical of deck declaring that this is a good standard format. I mean, all the other formats were like that, too, where there was 10 decks and then two weeks later it was one deck. So, I I mean, I it would not surprise me if two weeks the format was just all Yorion. And honestly, last week, I I would have thought that I was already very afraid that the format was kind of ruined with just our Bash Bros podcast event. I know, Brian, you didn't play it, but like. A small sample size, of course, but I played it six out of eight rounds. Brad, you played it seven out of nine, you know, and uh, it it took first and second in the CFB event. So already there, I was pretty afraid. I cannot wait till Friday to see the MPL and rival deck lists. And just if if I see a metagame that isn't, you know, 40% Yorian, I'm going to be so happy because that means the pros have figured out that it is not the catch all. But it could go the well, other way. I totally agree, you know? I mean, even if it's not this week, it, it could be an eventuality thing. I mean, when you look at it, Yorion, it depends on the list, of course, but at mm. least the blue blue versions of Yorion, Esper or, or Blue-White, they're 80-card decks. 
Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a lot of diversity in how you can build those decks. Yeah. And it's hard to imagine that we've nailed down the right way to build it yet. But I think once, you know, there, there's there, we're still in the like discovery stage of it. I mean, it, and then it was the same thing with Omnath, too, where there was people were building Omnath in so many different directions. And then eventually it kind of hammered down into like, this is the way to basically build this deck. And then it was dominant. So, and and with an eighty card deck, the complexity goes up significantly. So, but so does the variant. You know, somewhat, yeah, a little bit, but honestly, not that much. Yeah. Uh, especially with all these lands that double as spells. But yeah. I, I I do think that like there there is a strong chance that once people hammer down how like which direction to go with Yorion and how to build Yorion and like whether Esper is the best version or just straight blue white or Celestia or Bant or whatever. Like once people start to figure out whichever one starts to pull away um, and, and really get fine tuned. I, I would not surprise me if that just became another standard dominant deck. Definitely. And I'm, I'm hoping that that's not the case. You know, you, you always hope that that's not the case, but um, it, it, it would not surprise me if that's how it eventually broken down. And well, I, I, I just think standard in general, Almost. is a flawed format to you yeah yeah I, yeah, yeah i don't want to get into that again but <laughs> yeah i mean I, I, well while what you're saying could be 100 percent like ha- has a lot of validity um i i still think that the different ways that a yorion strategy can be attacked uh like it can it can be attacked by literally every single type of strategy there is ember cleave hyper aggression there's long control grindy strategies um I've been having I've been actually finding a lot of success with a lot of different archetypes against Yorian on the ladder because mm-hmm. I have made my decks focused on beating them. Even Rakdos. Exactly. I, my I, I have a Rakdos list that I'm 4-0 against Yorian with. It's just I didn't pull the trigger on it. Well, let's not get crazy here. Rakdos cannot be Yorian, but I agree with you on every <laughs> other sense. But weren't we saying the same things about Omnath and like those other decks too? It's like people just aren't focusing their decks to beat them. I, I don't I don't know. I'm not buying it. So Yeah. The problem with Omnath though is every card replaced itself and like it was just an engine of powerful cards that there were not tools to beat it. With Yorian, like I like I'm saying, as much as I am a Yorian fan and as much as I personally believe, you know, the Yorian deck I've been playing is is the best deck right now. I do think there are certain cards that I've ran into as problems and you're still a deck that has to play to the battlefield a lot and if and and essentially one-dimensional in a little bit of a in a little bit of a sense you know because you have to play cards that make yorian better otherwise but, you know yeah i mean it was lo- like i i mean lotus cobra omnath all those cards that's not playing to the battlefield like I, i'm not trying to be super argumentative about this but like you guys are finding tools that beat yorian but did you take the time to find tools from yorion to beat those tools yeah you know it goes both ways like yeah oh but i mean, I mean I, i'm not i'm not disagreeing that your hypothetical could be true but like from all the data points like i understand that these are small sample sizes but all week long there's been a week of wings qualifiers qualifiers <laughs> on mtg melee and so far we've had six of a total of 12 standard tournaments that all have had 200 to 300 players in them and yorion has fluctuated between like you know 48 and 52 percent win percentage and you know middle of the pack for win percentages where before the bans 
within three days, every best deck was sitting at 60 to 65. Always like at the end of the season, you remember when Sultai was being ignored um, at the end of right before rotation and, you know, Wizards yeah. was like, we don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Sultai can just win the format. Like yeah. there were tournaments on Melee that because no one cared about standard. But in the last couple of weeks, there were tournaments where 70% of the field were playing Sultai and it had a 75% win percentage. <laughs> That's uh, absurd. In mirrors. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, it's literally any other deck that wanted to try to compete against it would play against it all tournament long and still lose. Um, mm. And so like, while I agree that Yorian could be built in a very good way, there's no indicator for me that this is by far the best deck, except for the fact that Yorian is a real, I think that Yorian and the reason why it got popular this quickly. And so let's just start with, let's talk about blue at Yorian. We don't have it as our number one deck, but it is the number one, like enemy number one. I think it is enemy number one. Exactly. Yeah. So, so my, my argument against Yorian is any type of blue white Yorian deck is going to punish bad deck building. And we are in an early format where people don't know how to build their decks. So the deck that is mm -hmm. all about value and Elspeth conquers death and uh, like just this engine, like you just punish all the bad deck building problems. You're like, okay, I'll try yeah. to attack them with the great henge. And you're like, ah, I ain't going to work. You know, yeah. and and so like that, like I'll use my red black example here. I, I started the format with red black, got beat up by Yorion, and then I switched to a deck list that has after cyber has seven discard four graveyard interaction and four ox. And I I just literally grind them out. Mm. Like I actually just grind them out of resources because I get to ox over and over and over again and they never get something back with their Elspeth Conquers deaths. Um, and they can never, you know, use their graveyard. But I mean, they can they also just ECD your ox. They also have access to Yorion that can't be discarded. Yes, but they have. Yes, I, I, I understand that they have access to that, that effect. Um, and I'm not saying that it is always going to be a winning strategy, but I have found success with that because and also they, they can deal with your oxes, but you also have a bunch of hand disruption. Yeah, um, there's no way, shape, or form that you're ever going to get me to believe that Rakdos beats Yorian decks. You know, maybe you that's a small sample size. And while I, you know, am totally agreeing with you that Yorian decks are exploitable, I, I just, there's too many things that line up too perfectly against Rakdos. And the reason why I think Yorian decks are having so much success right now is they have them, they have eight cards that are as close to, um, um, uh, what do we call it? Like Veraska's Contempt, it just hits anything. Uh, what kind of removal is that? Just Unconditional. Yeah, sorry, that's what I was looking for. It just They have the closest amount to unconditional removal spell in the format, in the form of Skyclave Apparition and Elspeth Conquers Death. So though you just have answers to everything, no matter what, from the Yorian decks, but it, it, there's certain ways to attack those cards, but you have to be focused to be able to beat them because this Yorian deck will be able to answer anything with ECD and Skyclave Apparition, you know? Oh yeah, you can't you can't yeah. have an unfocused strategy to and expect to be to blue at Yorian deck. Like Agreed. you have yeah. to you you I what I've learned is you can't hope that they don't draw the things. You mm -hmm. have to be able to have a plan based on what do you do against those things. Agreed. Um, and and once I started approaching it from not trying to dodge things, but actually trying to find sequences and cards and interactions 
to combat their turns. What I did realize is if you get through some of their hard turns, they don't draw that well all the time. There's like a yep. lot of games I played like a lot where I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose this game. But then if I deal with their first Skyclave and Bounce and Yorion and Elspeth Conquer's death, um, then they, they might just not have a robust engine left over. Yeah, and honestly, that's the same approach. We, we approached it in very different ways, but the same approach for me. Like, I've been playing Esper Doom because I've been trying to control the, you know, the powerfulness and the snowball magic of Yorian by just landing Esper Doom Foretold, or by landing Doom Foretold and just making it so they don't have the tools to make Yorian a busted card. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you've taken a different approach to it, but both of us have created approaches um, that destroy the enchantments before they gain secondary um, value. Because that's the big thing. If you just play ECD as a one card and it's just a one-for-one one removal, one-for-one one removal is not insane right now. It's good, but it's not insane if you can control it from killing another thing the next turn with the same card, you know? I completely agree. A Doom Foretold yep. uh, is good against Yorion mm -hmm. for that, uh, that very... un unconventional way you would think it wouldn't be good against the deck that has a bunch of permanents but right but the yorion deck is trying to amass a, a field of permanents to be blinking and if you're interacting with those permanents uh you can yep. you can effectively weather that storm and here's the thing people try to fight through it as naturally you should and by just playing omen of the sea omen of the sun and they're like okay i'm playing two enchantments a turn i have plenty to sacrifice but then you follow it up with, you know, Skyclave Apparition on your Omen of the Sea, and now you sacrifice your permanent. Next turn, you play two more enchantments. I exile one of them, Doom Foretold takes the other one. And, and that kind of cycle eventually runs them out. And then, you know, my list, not everybody's list, but then you just dance in the manse, everything back that you've been sacrificing. And that's the over-the-top aspect that has beaten Yori, Yorian decks in the past, like Dude. Genesis Ultimatum, like Escape the Wilds. Do they uh, not? And, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Do they not just Skyclave your Doom Foretold? And that happens. Of course that happens, but you do get some value out of it. They exiled one thing, then you can... Then you, they're playing into a pattern that you like naturally, though, where then you ECD their apparition, um, you know, and, and you kind of get the footing to make them answer your threats first. And they don't always have it, you know. Um, but yeah, of course that can happen. Yeah, I've heard from um, some people. And now I don't know. Excuse me. I don't know um, the right and wrongs. And I really don't know the S, the Yorion mirrors. I was kind of a, I wanted to figure out if there's decks that beat Yorion, not which Yorion deck is best against Yorion. Yeah. And, uh, but I have heard from some people that say that Esper Yorion is the, is potentially the best deck in the format, uh, wow. but but two, from two different people, but both said that Dance of the Mance is not the way to take the deck. It's not supposed to be a dance okay. deck. It's supposed to be a Doom Foretold, you know, Elspeth's Nightmare, which I think is criminally underplayed. Same, same, holy crap. And I could see that, you know, I've been testing on my island, testing to play a stream, to play these fun tournaments on the weekend. So I can't say that my list is perfect, but if other people are picking it up and, and recognizing the power of Elspeth's Nightmare, Doom Foretold, you know, even Treacherous Blessing in the Mirror, um, if people are, are picking it up, that, that, you know, makes me happy that maybe I was on the right page. Uh, but Dance has been insane. 
at times, but when you're playing against another Yorian deck, there's so much white removal and it all exiles. So I can totally see that not being insane, but you do still have Birth of Melitis, um, Medomia's Prophecy, and Elspeth's Nightmare that naturally go to the graveyard. So it's never heinous, but you can, you can I, I could see that. right? And it could also get countered. Yeah, totally. The lists that I've been seeing popping up that are just like Yorian lists with just a bunch of counters, maybe even like uh, John Emmanuel Dupra, um, that's just a great way to attack Doom Foretold. And that's the way that scares me the most because Doom Foretold is one deck, unlike Blue White Yorian, where you can't deviate the style of magic you play that much because Doom Foretold heavily incentivizes you playing stuff to the board every single turn and not holding up counter magic because then your Doom Foretolds are then bad. So it, you can't, you don't have as much wiggle room with the Doom decks as you do with Yorian, with Blue White. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm inclined to think that Dance of the Mance is not where you want to be. I, I, I think that the Orion decks win by adding to the board cards that are just generally playable on their own merits, or at least mm -hmm. relatively playable, uh, that, that add some amount of value on their own. And then once you get your engine rolling, it's just so much value that it's, it's hard to overcome. Yeah. And... And that's why I was making the argument that I was making before. It's like, yeah, we're saying like, oh, yeah, I can beat these these Yorian decks by building my deck in certain ways. But I think that also ignores that uh, how misbuilt are all these Yorian decks? I mean, I'm, I imagine my deck is horribly misbuilt, you know, like, yeah, and, and stuff like that. And I think if you. I, I think that once the Yorion decks get distilled down to where, and, and it was the same thing with Team Erect too. And like, I want to go back to like a, a point that Brad said, where Brad said that um, Yorion decks are beating on badly built deck lists, which I 100% agree with that. But that was also the same argument we made about Team Reclamation is that we always said Team Erect was good against people's bad decks, but it ended up just being good against everything once mm -hmm. the deck itself got built in a, a very streamlined fashion with like Uros and Sharks and all those other cards. And, and it, it once we got rid of like the all the chaff that was in those lists before, it just ended up becoming too good. So I think I think the argument goes both ways there. And and I yeah. genuinely hope that that's not what happens to the format, but I'm not I'm not holding my breath on it. So one thing that I agree with you and disagree with you on that point is like if we look at the evolution of now this blue white Yorian deck uh, that plays a bunch of counter spells, if that is the answer to other Yorian decks because they're all playing to the battlefield, which it easily could be that that is yeah. a great way to attack these. Yeah. Then then I'm looking at Janio Emmanuel Depra's list and I'm thinking, OK, if that deck's really popular, I'm going to slam some Gruel Adventures and I'm going to destroy that. And then that could make that blue white Yorian deck have to change again. And and then Esper Doom becomes good again. You know, like I could see it going through that cycle. Yeah, this blue white and that's a dream. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what it, it seems like to me. Like this blue white Yorian list. I bet John Emmanuel was not like I don't. I want to play against mono green or green red creatures. He wants to play against Yorian, and he wants to play against Yorian a lot. If I'm looking yeah. at his list, you know. Oh, for sure. Like his yeah. list is very set up to win Yorian mirrors with all the counter magic for for opposing Yorians. Mm -hmm. um, some of the slower, grindier card advantage uh, cards like Maze Mind's Tome, mm -hmm. things like that, Dream Trawler. Um, yeah, he, he's definitely set up to want to play that match matchup. Yeah. So, and I mean, he has three Omen of the Sun, three Shatters. That's like he's like, okay, just in case I do play it, 
you know, I got something, but yeah. I, I could see a natural progression of a metagame shift based on what we're seeing even from these lists. Cause I do think John Emanuel would destroy me with Esper Doom, but that doesn't mean he'd be he'd beat the aggro decks. All right. Yeah, so, and that's what you're hoping for too. But yeah, let's jump in. Let's jump yeah. into the Yeah. So so we have we have Blue White Yorion in our like top three decks, but uh we have it in third place right now. Um because mm-hmm. Some kind of Esper Yorion. We don't. We haven't cracked the code yet, and we wish we did. But yeah, um, I just have a sneaking suspicion that Esper Yorion is on equal footing as Blue White Yorion, or is better. And it's something that you know at home you should look into. I'm not going to be able to this week. It's one deck that mm-hmm. I haven't really looked into, and I have you know the things. But I have in the top three, and if not the best deck, um, in the format, um, as Gruel Adventures. And now that does sound very weird. But mm-hmm. uh, I started playtesting with this deck like, I don't know, three or four days ago um, after I was starting to see a trend um, through melee data. And now I don't I don't ever look at a tournament and I'm like, OK, whatever has a 70 percent, that must be the best deck. But if yeah. I see like five, six, seven tournaments rolling in and the same archetype is just 56 percent, 58 percent, 61 percent, 56 percent. I'm like, well, I have to try it, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so I started working on the deck. There's a bunch of different variations. I started tuning it and I came to the realization that Gruel Adventures are very similar to Autumn and Emma's build with gem razors and whatever the elementals called brush fire. Brush Ele- fire, I believe. Yeah, yeah brush yeah. fire elemental and uh, uh, things of that nature was just in a really good place uh, against against these Esper decks. And and the reason that I, I figured that out is. So you have a card like Stonecrawl Serpent, and you assume it's bad because you're up against uh, Skyclave Apparitions and Glass Caskets. And when when it gets eaten, you don't get any value out of the card. That's bad. Mm -hmm. But it is a two drop that works really well with Gem Razor and can force their hand into playing one of those spells that they really want to get value out of. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I realized that the only way an aggressive deck can actually beat um, an Azorius deck is by by uh by sequencing and one of the biggest sequences is to actually kill the elspeth conquers death when it comes down if you if you're on the draw and they interact with you before casting elspeth conquers death you you don't really have a play if you if you play edgewell innkeeper into lovestruck beast then they just yorian blink kill the lovestruck beast and now you have uh you know you're under the spell lock and they have a four or five and you only have a one one. Yeah, yeah, um, totally and, agree. And so you have to break these these situations wide open. And the best way I found was you just have gem razor turns where mm-hmm. if they Elspeth conquers death something, you use one of your other resources to gem razor, get in for a ton of damage, get that Elspeth conquers death off the board. And now they have to interact with the creature and play. Uh, and sometimes they can, sometimes they can't. Yeah. Uh, because they don't have a ton of removal, right? They have four glass casts, they have apparitions, they have Elspeth Conquers Death, some have Wraths, but that's about it. All of the other cards are setup cards, interactive cards, some are ramp. And when you, and the, you know, everyone knows an Embercleave deck. If you don't interact with them and they have a few creatures in play, you're, you're getting Embercleave. Yeah, you're facing lethal so quickly. Yeah, I totally agree. And so I started playing around with this deck and, um, and the deck list will be live Friday morning, my, my exact deck list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people can take a look at it. But 
I just found that I was winning a lot with this and I played a lot of everything and this was the only deck I was winning with. I could actually show you my my untapped uh, GG <laughs> like I have it, it actually is just like a uh, a resting heart rate like spikes or, you know, like the you know, the like the thing when you're at the doctor and it spikes up and down, spikes up and down. Sure. Every yeah. spike up is just when I played Gruel, and then every spike trend down was when I was trying Blue Black or you <sighs> or different Yorian decks or Golgari Adventures yeah. or Rakdos. And I would fluctuate between like the 100s in Mythic and the percentages. And then I'd switch back to Gruel Adventures and I'd grind my way back up to 100. But then I'm like, well, I, I can't play Gruel Adventures. There has yeah. to be somebody else has a better deck. So I try their deck and I just fall back down. And I don't know. I, I've just. Honestly. Honestly, though, like looking at your list here, I love it. Like I, you know, uh, for anybody listening, I didn't help Brad test at all. You know, I was kind of doing my thing. You were you were doing your thing. Um, but just looking at the choices, I think it is so smart with what you've chosen. And it, it makes sense with what I've been playing and what I've been losing to. Normal Gruel Adventures list, I've been destroying. And like I said, I've been playing Esper Doom just a ton. And I think Esper Doom is even better against Aggro than Blue White. So I'm like, normally I would think I destroy Gruel Adventures. So when you said you were gonna play it, I was like, okay, bro, yeah, good luck. But one of the cards that has been giving me the most trouble is Brushfire Elemental. Not being able to block with my Omen of the Sun tokens, my Charming Princes, my O4 walls from Bertha Melitis. That is how I've been losing. And I'm actually one in three against uh, Gruel decks that have been playing Brushfire Elementals. And I kept kind of thinking, like, you know, I was one spell off from, from catching up and gaining control, which, while that may be true, that is the whole point of the deck is to just keep putting you on your back foot and you know, Yorian decks don't have an insane way of catching up against this many haste threats, even Shatter the Sky, which should be the best card that isn't even seeing a ton of main deck play in Yorian decks. That isn't the best option because you're drawing a card, you're getting more haste threats. And it, it has been actually very tough uh, for me to deal with. So I'm very interested to see how you do and if you can, uh, you know, beat Yorian decks this weekend. Well, I'm going to beat one Yorian deck. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Well, Which that's, one? that's a given, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, uh, actually regret. Well, I'll, I'll get to it when we get to the Orion list, but uh, we can, we can, we can. I mean, yeah, like I. So, so I think uh, talking about Gruel a little bit more. The reason why I like it uh, to close on this one, I think Gruel the best the best advantage for Gruel Adventures is that it, and the reason why I think it's great right now is. I do believe that it is slightly favored against uh, all the Yorian decks, even green white, where I played against green white like four times now. And on turn three or four, I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose this game. But yeah, like, like, like I said previously, they really only have each Yorian deck only has like 12 interaction in an 80 card deck and they'll deploy mm. a few of them. But if you just stay in the game and do a few things like the Ember Cleave shows up, yeah, I, I, I'm not a believer of that, too, just because Stomp is actually good against green-white, where mm -hmm. Stomp is heinous against Esper and blue-white. So I, I think they're leaning into being bad against Gruul, personally. Why do you think like Stomp is bad against blue-white? Um, they, they don't usually have that many creatures. You know, I mean, they have the Skyclave Apparitions, which already gains some value. Of course, you get... You get something back, and then they have Charming Prince, but like you don't want to hit Omen of the Sun. You don't. You can't really hit the O4 wall. So yeah, I I think 
Bone Crusher is pretty bad against Blue White. I mean, I think it's serviceable. Like, it's just like the that's the best thing you can, you know, your all your three drops just get ECD'd, right? Like, but here's the thing is, I think the one thing I think is three drops are at like the worst place ever right now because they fall into glass casket, skyclave apparition, and ECD. Four drops, you can sometimes get away with them, their removal not lining up correctly, like questing beast or gem razoring something. I've had a glass casket when that happens, or even Wicked Wolf, and then I'm like, oh shit, okay, well, for once, my removal doesn't line up well, and I'm gonna die, but Bone Crusher Giant is one card I, I've never, never oh, been afraid of from Blue White or like, It's one of the worst cards, but it's still, like, serviceable. I'd never cut one. You know, you, ask, you don't side it out? It can, I mean, it can eat, it, it can eat crackers in, in my bed. I'm gonna you, don't, you don't side it out? Oh, sorry, but... What's up, Brian? Sorry, I just want to ask a really newbie question. If you gem razor a two drop, what's the CMC? Is it four? It depends on if you put the mutate on top or bottom. Okay. And and you always put the mutate on top, basically, so it's always four, essentially. You know? Yeah. There's well, like I very have, little chance. I love Stork Beast in, in, in turbulent times. Okay. Okay. I guess. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So then it would be a five-five instead of a four-four, right? That's the yes. difference. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah. but they share all of each other's abilities. Right. Yeah. Yes. But but it's the card is on top. But don't you take out Bone Crusher Giant? I mean, if you don't want to say because of your team, but I would think you would take those out against your index. I mean, yeah, oh, excluding Green about, White. I mean, I'm not going to okay. talk about sideboarding. Um, All right, blink twice should, if yeah. you would take them I'll out, okay? I'll be posting a sideboard guide after <laughs> League play is over. So Sunday night, I'll have a, a very detailed sideboard guide for this deck in the Bash Rose podcast, but you'll have to wait until then. Um, okay, and if, and if I do shitty, then no one's going to want it, so who, who cares? Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see. Like, I'm skeptical of the claim that Girl Adventures is the best deck in the format, but I also don't, you know, like, I don't have enough knowledge to oh, say one way or I another. Yeah, so. I didn't finish Same. what I was saying. So I believe that Girl Adventures is favored against Yorion decks and mm -hmm. is, is significantly favored against um, rogues, especially after sideboard. And, Seems like it. And uh, especially after sideboard, the, the sideboard games are where it's like kind of lopsided. And yep. I think that rogue blue black style decks are the biggest predator of Yorion. Mm. And, and so especially well-tuned blue black decks, for Yorion matchups, I believe that they just kind of prey on them. It's one of I, I hate I hate playing Yorion against uh, against uh, blue black. I totally agree um, with blue white because you know you don't have those insane escapes. But I personally love the um, blue black matchup with Esper just because Elspeth's Nightmare is insane. Uh, Cling to Dust is insane. Even Doom Foretold is good. That's honestly that was the matchup that made me switch was Blue White Yorian and Demir Rogues were just so popular, and I, I thought I had an upgrade against both of them, but I was getting shit on when I was playing Blue White against Rogues repeatedly. They would mill me out, and I'm an 80-card deck. I'm like, how is this How is this happening, you know? Yeah, you just so, you just yeah. become a control deck, and it just it just works out that way. You draw so many extra cards. Yeah, um, counter spells against sorcery speed stuff. It's very, uh, very popular. They're very powerful. I mean, that's a fixable problem, though, right? Like, some of that stuff, like... 
you see these cards like glimpses of, glimpse of freedom in the sideboard that goes a long way towards making those matchups a lot better. But. Admittedly, I did not have nor know about that tech when I played blue white, but that is a nice one because cling has just been the best card for me against them. Just be honestly, just because you get to escape so many cards. I wish cling escaped for nine, you know, <laughs> like actually, I guess five is the sweet spot. So it completely takes out into the story, which I've done so many times, you know? Yeah. yeah glimpses, actually, glimpses five it, cards it, as well. well so yeah. Cling is yeah. six cards. Cling is it's five for it's, it. No, it's, it's five. six because you target yourself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. 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 Yeah. It's, yeah. it's six cards. Um, but you don't always have to target yourself. Well, unless you know. there's something important, you should almost always target yourself. Right. I mean, there's a balancing act there. Like you might want to yeah. ta- target them to leave yourself with five cards yeah. to do it again. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. depends on where I've had six, at. I've had I've had just six cards in my graveyard. One being a cling, and my opponent's like has a crab on the stack, and I'm like, okay, cling something of yours in response, so they can never into the story, yep. um, or something like that. But, yeah, into mm-hmm. the yeah. story. That card is a beating. That's the big one. But. Yeah, I mean, back in our day, do y'all remember just casting five for it? It's being a sorcery, and we were happy to play Tidings, you know? Like, now well, it's... Tidings uh, isn't... Tidings is a, excuse my French, your fucked up card. Back so, in the day. Back it, in the it, day. Well, yeah. well, it still is. I mean, draw five mana, draw four, that's a fucked up card. Like, But now it's four mana, instant speed, draw four, you know? Like, yeah, that's that card is <laughs> messed up. That card is so good. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, moving Agreed. on to that, I think that 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 is on our that's on our list as the fourth best deck to be playing. Uh, yep. Again, though, Demir decks have a wide range of playability. Uh, yep. There are I do believe that any deck list that wants to play more than the 16 creatures is 100 percent incorrect going to the Brazen Borrower. You know, that that variant Zara of the sand is, kind yeah, of shit. Yeah. The, but yep. these 12 creature decks or 12 to 16 creature decks, I don't know ex- the exact numbers. Uh, or which one is the best, but they have mm-hmm. been performing pretty well, and they do attack Blue White Yorian on a good metric. Um, and it's just an overall good deck, especially against uh, decks that are not focused on them. And and that mm-hmm. is because of, I mean, there's just a lot of weird cards that are so good. Into the Story, Lull Mages, Domination against, you know, green decks. Drown in the Lock is for sure their best card. Well, that yeah, card is just so good. Yeah, Drown in the Lock and Into the Story are, are, are what make this deck tick. But even yeah. late mm-hmm. games, like, you know, I don't even think this deck would have a chance without Agadim's Awakening because there's so many yeah. games where you're losing board position and you're losing, and then all of a sudden, you you know, you just bring back a few creatures that can, can continuously mill them out. And, yeah. and then you can bring your Loris back too. And so the deck has this weird, really go-long um engine uh especially mm-hmm. when opponents are like starting to have depleted resources and they're just trying to limp over a win one thing i will say about the first three decks we talked about esper doom gruel adventures and blue white yorian and then compared to demir mill the yorian decks can kind of transform transform into shark uh typhoon decks with some counter spells gruel adventure um you know can put in ox can put in uh some other escape cards and stuff like that but demir rogues will always have to be doing its same game plan and if you're doing one specific thing instead of having the versatility to possibly transform even if you don't transform it's an open deckless tournament so you know if i see shark typhoons and i see counter spells and i'm thinking okay do i try to attack them on the battlefield or do i try to be able to beat sharks that's a hard way to side 
sideboard against them. Demir Mill, it's you're sideboarding the same way. So it's exploitable. And that's why I think it is fourth instead of higher on our list, just because it has to do the same thing every single game. This build yeah. of it, but there are different variations of the deck that play less creatures, or you know, there there's there's many different versions of of Demir Mill strategies out there. And I don't know how good the other ones are that aren't as creature focused. But yeah. there is a control spectrum to this where you can become more of a control deck and less of a mill deck and have sharks and counter spells. And OK, and I mean, I would like that better because I think standard is so dynamic right now with just how powerful cards are these last few years. And same with modern, same with pioneer. I think if you're just a deck that is very, you know, active synergy um, based, then I, I don't think your deck is as good. You know, you, you really want to be a dynamic deck that makes it hard to sideboard against um, just in this day and age. I think those are the kind of decks you need uh, personally, or those are the ones I've had success with instead of like just tribal decks, all in red decks, all in mono green decks, all these decks that are easy to sideboard against. I haven't had as much success as the ones that can transform and stuff. Yeah. I think one of the big strengths of this deck, and I, I do think it is exploitable is, is how good it is against Yorion decks. And, but I do think that those escape cards exploit it. One card that I haven't seen that much, but was played against me the other day that was really impressive. Actually, there are uh, multiple of these cards have been impressive against me is Inscription of Ruin. I don't know if you guys have experienced playing against that card. No, what's up? It's, it's so the it, two colors black inscription, right? Yeah, it's a two colors black inscription. So with a kicker of two black black and it's choose one. But if it was kicked, you oh, can choose yeah. any number instead. And it's. Target opponent discards two cards, return yeah. target creature card with CMC two or less from graveyard to the battlefield, and then destroy target creature with CMC three or less. Um, yeah. So one of my opponents that was playing rogues played that against me, kicked, because the games go on incredibly long. You'll get to the mm -hmm. point where you can do that. Um, and, and it was really like backbreaking. Um, and I also found that the, the blue inscription was also really good too. Just when the games go super long, those kinds of, spells become really good so i could see you know those kinds of cards showing up more and more if that's if that's a matchup that gets played more um, i think for sure on uh, uh the black one i'm just so skeptical of giant blue spells in a dispute world still but yeah. damn have i i played that uh the black inscription and it really gave me profane command vibes i actually played it in your bre your deck brad that that like abzan pile and it was excellent in there um, that deck is unplayable oh, against course. Yorian, though. So, but but yeah, that card has actually been pretty awesome. Just three I mean, mana mine rod as well, you know. Like you're 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 yeah. never gonna get me to think that that blue card draw is playable uh, in a world where I can still play Gadwick. Like if I'm gonna put a blue sorcerer draw on my deck, mm -hmm. it's gonna be fucking Gadwick. Gadwickington, yeah, that yeah, card is yeah, that card's you just, nice. You because because both of the cards are gonna need a time and a place to be castable. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to pick your spot. And that's probably late game. And Gadwick is just a more powerful card. Yeah, yeah the, the time is never and the place is nowhere. But if there was a time <laughs> and place. <laughs> now, I have to agree that Gad Gadwick is a monster. I'm surprised. Little that did he we, know, Gadwick will more. be in the MPL Rivals tournament. Oh, will well, it? Yeah, it will. Yeah, I mean, Gadwick is it just really unfortunately got the short end of the stick with dispute just always looking in every blue mage's sideboard like yeah okay gadwick bring it on dude i think i might have said this in a previous podcast but i i like to call the card chadwick 
So I think it's a real, <laughs> yeah. ch- it's a real Chad card. So real Chad, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I like to call it Dad Wickington, but I have no idea why. But yeah, I think the last time that card was good in like blue red uh, uh, tempo kind of deck. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that deck yeah, that wasn't was, good. That and tournament was yeah. gas. This whole team shows up with blue-red flash, and they're like, we're going to fuck shit up. And yeah. we just roll up with our Nissas and just shit on everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you definitely deaded that deck uh, uh, there, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. All right, so we can, we're going to move on and go through these a little lightning round-ish. Not too, too aggressively fast, but just a little. All right, so getting back to uh, our number five deck on the list, Golgari Adventures. Uh, yep. I believe that Golgari Ventures is this high on the list because it is so good at it has an advantage against non Yorian strategies, but struggles with Yorian itself. Uh, and yes. I think that a lot of people can agree with that. This deck just and, and the thing about this deck is this is don't think of Golgari's Ventures as an edge wall innkeeper strategy. Uh, the trick that I learned is this is a the, this is the 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 great henge deck. And right. even to the mm. to the version that I've I've been playing that Oliver Two has been popularizing, access to four the Great Henges. Um, yeah, the card's insane in this deck. Yeah, because you have like this deck is playing you know the same same as Gruel with Lovestruck Beast and Mammoth, but it also can play Pelucranos, and it has like these early games just putting annoying things on the board. But the way that I've found success in this deck is to just. Display a threat that's big, and if it untaps, you get to play the Great Henge and take over the game. Uh, and yeah. one of the cool things about uh, these decks moving forward is with the Mammoth, you can actually, if you have enough green sources and you you strategically do this, you can play on turn five the Mammoth, then play a Fabled Passage uh, and fetch, and then just play the Great Henge on turn five. So you could have nothing on board and still have turn five the Great Henge. Um, yeah, and I mean, that that seems to naturally progress into, you know, Rankle or Pelucranos on four, and then a nice turn five would just be that. Um, I, yeah, I totally agree. That seems sweet. so many one and two drops that you're just able to cycle through your deck effectively, and you have Agadim's Awakening, which allows you to get back one to four creatures, and they all trigger the Great Henge. Mm-hmm. And they all trigger I thought it allowed you to pay three life for your swamps instead of just playing them normally. <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the one thing about Golgari Adventures is the deck never runs out of steam. You know, between the Great Henge, Order of Midnight, bringing back innkeepers or just innkeeper gaining a bunch of value, you never really run out of steam. But the problem is against Yorian, answering their Yorian or their whatever, their Skyclave apparition with spot removal is, is not how you attack Yorian. You have to counter it or you have to cut off the legs of the enchantment. And Golgari does not do either of those things well. And this deck does not hit that hard unless you have an uncontested Polokronos or Rakel. But I think that these cards get hit by the Apparition ECD so badly. Um, mm-hmm. And it's such a bad rate that, uh, you know, Rakel is not even that good. You, you play Rakel, you hit them. You don't really want to draw cards, but even discarding's not that good, and yeah. sacking's not good. So your all three of your modes are are probably medium to activate, and then for three mana mm-hmm. they can deal with it, or they can just tap out and play an ECD. And so like these effects aren't that great, which make this deck a real struggle against yeah. um, Yorian strategies. But then to the other way, I think that this is a very good deck against. Um, 
against any blue black strategy because if you have access, if you don't even need it, but if you have any escape, and it's really difficult to uh, stop when you have duresses and agonized remorse and blood chief's thirst and escape. It's really difficult for a blue black deck to get its engines revving to where mm. they can actually interact with the great henge because well, um, what's the blue black card called again? Um, Drawn on the lock is their best card. You need nine cards in the graveyard to counter a great henge. Yeah. And, and you have scavenging news too. That's and a you big have scavenging one too. News too. Yes. And on top of that, you have instant speed black removal to be able to like kill a crab at end step that they feel like they need to protect. And then the next turn you can you can do something on their obvious counter spell turn. So yeah, I, I can totally see how Golgari Adventures lines up super well against Demir. And then it, and just creatures. And then yeah. lines up the Great Henge, like big meaty green creatures and the Great Henge are very good against Gruel. And um, yep. you know, having removal and uh, a decent curve of interaction card advantage, death touch creatures is good against other aggressive decks like Mono Green. Yep. And so Golgari Adventures lines up really well against the non-Yorians, but if Yorian's really popular, this deck does struggle there. So that's why basically unplayable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and then on the flip side, uh the, the number six deck on our list. Uh, and I think that this is really the line of decks that I think are good. Now we're gonna talk about the the, the rest of the metagame, I think are just traps. Um yeah. but Mono Green is the last deck on my list that I would consider that you can arguably choose to play and it's a good choice and the reason for that is i actually think that mono green is good against yorian uh, yeah i mean and honestly the one the one big factor that we have just been saying as far as like golgari adventures and mono green and gruel adventures the big factor is gem razor here and gem yeah. razor is awesome and golgari adventures cannot really play gem razor that effective there's more humans uh, and it's just not as good of a card. Yeah, it's got Gem Razor, Questing Beast, Garrick, Vivian, and mm -hmm. and and I agree. You know, ECD is really good, but then the Gem Razor can take that out, and then it's harder to set up. And these are permanents. Like Questing Beast can is always going to get its damage, and Gem Razor's going to always ha you know get its effect. I mean, these of course can be countered, but. Uh, Garrick is going to leave behind a 3-3 if you ECD it, or, and that's that's a big deal. That just, could be six damage easy. Yeah, you know? or just Garrick just giving Trample can make, like, when, you know, the thing about Yorian decks and, and is if they are in control and if they're in the driver's seat, they can do some powerful things. But mm -hmm. if they are playing from behind, a deck like Green just kind of annihilates them in those turns. Like, if they're playing from behind, you can Primalmite, you can Garrick. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you can Questing Beast, you can Gem Riser, you can really put some damage in. And yeah. here's the thing that, uh, sorry, BBD, I know you wanted to make a point. I just want to say one last thing. These Yorian decks, if these kind of cards become really powerful and really popular, one thing I think we will see that I, I even played at the beginning of the format, but it's just not very good right now because I don't see enough of this, is Giant Killer. You don't have this instant speed way to kill giant creatures gem razor and questing beast um but it, it and i just haven't felt the need to because i haven't struggled against them that much but if these start to come back in in a big way and there's four of gem razor four of questing beast in the main giant killer is a great card against them yeah yeah go ahead dizzle the yeah the thing i was just gonna say is that like if you're playing in elspeth conquers death and you don't have any fear of reprisal you're like very likely to win the game 
Mm-hmm. But if you're playing one while you're like under duress and that, you know, you're under a lot of pressure, then it's kind of a tenuous situation. And yeah. I think that's the major difference between why Mono Green is better against Yorion than Golgari. Because like Golgari yeah. just doesn't put any pressure on the deck itself in terms of life total and mm-hmm. just gets outclassed by the top end game that Yorion has. It's just a better top end than mono green or, or sorry a better top end like yorian just has a better top end than golgari and yeah. since golgari can't apply any pressure they're just always going to lose to that uh whereas mono green doesn't fall into that same trap really and like, one low-key thing is glass caskets good against golgari adventures and against gruel adventures and mono green it's a liability and I always consider cutting it even though it's a creature deck but getting getting your glass casket gem razor and they get something back you're you're almost dead every time you know yeah, i will say that yeah. the uh shatter the sky does seem like a strong card though so that you know that card could i've started to see a lot more copies of that card people yeah. are playing then that could swing swing the match up a little bit as well mm-hmm. um well, one thing about both these decks though that i want to say is that uh you know one of the things that we always learn in magic is that hedging is really bad you know, like you don't want to build your deck like half to beat one deck and half to beat another deck because usually just what happens is you don't beat either deck. Yeah. Um, but one thing I found is that hinging is really good. <laughs> oh, I was going to make it once you said hedging, I was going to make a hens joke, but I'm like, I don't want to interrupt you. You're making a cool point, but I should have. Yep. Another thing about green, it's a green deck, but what's awkward is against a Yorian deck, they have heroic intervention, which can stop a card like ECD or or uh, shatter. shatter. But also, if especially in an open deckless metagame, if your opponent is built to rely on Dream Trawler, Run a Foul is is an actual green answer. Wow, I don't even know what that card Run does. Run a File is just G target opponent sacks a flying creature. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, it, nah, they'll just sack their Yorion and then beat you with Dream Trawler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a that's a messed up trade up card. Holy shit! One green to kill a kill a Dream Trawler. That's messed up. Yeah, yeah. And I might be. <laughs> this is going back to the Yorion list or whatever, but I only have one Dream Trawler. I did not find the card to be that impressive. And mm. Brad was telling me that I was wrong and that it was impressive. But I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm missing like how how it's really good i just think it's yeah. I, mean, I think it's impressive in uncon- unconventional ways i actually think that like uh a resolved yorion or a resolved dream trawler is just good in the mirrors oddly enough yep nope i totally i totally agree and i've been playing it in esper doom where in the mirror it's a little rough because they can dispute you but they're also bringing in the gates but in esper doom it has this extra ability of discard three or four enchantments and then dance with them amounts them which is kind of messed up See, I think it, the card <laughs> sounds amazing in Esper because I think your game plan is a lot more um, like tit for tat. Mm-hmm. But in blue white, it at least like the the like the build up creature version. This maybe not the counterspell version. I could see it being great in that version, but yeah, in the build up version, like you're just trying to assemble a critical mass of cards, and then your Yorions are disgustingly good. Agreed. And, and like the blink versions, I don't think Dream Trawler is that good because you just would rather be just blinking your stuff, you know? Yeah, I know yeah. it's not good against Gruul because I've beaten every single one. Dreamy Tease? Yeah, they they cast them and it I still win. Yeah. I mean, I have Embercleaves, yeah. I have 
stone coil serpents i have gem razors like yeah yeah agreed it, it honestly it shined against golgari rakdos uh all these decks that just anything that played a black removal spell yeah you, you win even against rogues if you if you stick it you win well, they had to you know, start playing the soul shatter too soul shatter is another edict effect yeah that's fair it's able and, to compete with them and actually, I take it back. It's not that good against rogues since they attack your library, anyways. But yeah, and they're not attacking your life total. But yeah, yeah. it's not that good. Well, anything mm -hmm. that can actually like hit them for damage, though, I think is actually good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. All right. So I, I felt like well, sorry. I, oh. I just felt like a lot of the games come down to um, like they're milling me out, and I'm just struggling to find creatures that can even just connect with their face to kill them. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think sometimes that could be good, but. Yeah, and I, that's the problem I didn't have with Esper is because I control their creatures and control, uh, you know, Elspeth's nightmaring their crabs, Doom foretolding their creatures. Yeah. Like, they never build any momentum, so then they're just a one-for-one -one removal deck, uh, you know, against a Yorian deck, and, and it's not that big of a deal. But against Blue-White, I agree, you need a clock. Yeah. All right, well, now we're going to move on to all the decks that... Uh... That are still we wouldn't recommend. Yeah, yeah that, are hyper, <laughs> that are that are played, but that we wouldn't recommend. And we're going to start with the deck that I have played in two tournaments this past weekend and went a combined total of 11 and two in those matches. And that's Tamer <laughs> Ramp. Um, this is a very fun deck. Uh, for those of you who don't know what this deck does, it's just a Genesis Ultimatum Terror of the Peaks strategy where you can hit Ugin, but you can also hit Terror of the Peaks with... Uh, mammoths and beanstalk giants and you can get all these triggers and just kind of kill them uh with these yeah. genesis ultimatums or you just put a bunch of green threats into play and then they can't get through them and then you get to ultimate them again um yeah. the deck is inconsistent it's very good against yorian strategies very good but still very inconsistent against the other decks and do you, do you think you were favored against me uh yeah with elspeth's nightmare and duresses and and stuff like that I mean, yeah. Do, do you still think no. you're favored against like the versions of Yorian that are playing like Essence Scatters and Negates? Well, they all had them in the sideboards. Every Yorian deck that I play against has four Negates after sideboard. Um, and so, and my deck, you know, I have some disputes in Negates and Sharks. Um, and I still do think that I'm favored just because like it's hard for them to uh, not tap low unless they have a counter for everything and draw advantage. Cause like my deck, my deck still has like, you know, bone crushers and land visionaries, Mastodons, Lotus Cobras, tear the peaks that I can like present threats. And then I can protect a, an ultimatum from a negate. And I can get up to 10 mana pretty easily. Like you have to beat my entire deck. That's the whole weird thing about it. And I can get up mm. to like 15 mana and just get eventually have like multiple Terror of the Peaks in, in hand. And and you don't, you know, those decks don't develop their mana as fast if they're holding up counter spells. And, yeah. and so I, I have found those matchups to be very good just because like I, I I just have to position right and and eventually find the right things and like always cycle yeah. my triums, like never play them unless I have to, so that they're they're getting me value later and finding the cards that I need and yeah, I, I can totally see it. I, I think for, for what it's worth, I think we're really, really close, but you're probably a little favored. But the one thing I do love about just the fact the the ramp decks now after Escape the Wilds, Omnath, all that garbage is taken out 
it feels like a traditional ramp deck where sometimes you draw a ramp, sometimes you draw all your big stuff, and the deck looks pretty awkward, and that's what ramp decks should be. If yeah. you draw perfect, curve out, awesome, cool, you, you did it. But I, I hate when every single ramp card also was drawing you a card, so you're just also a consistent ramp deck with Uro and stuff too. This is what a ramp deck so, should look like. It looks powerful, but it does not play that way on paper every single game, no, yeah. which is good. I, I, I yeah. will lose to decks like... Sometimes I just kind of ramp into a tear of the peaks, and then if they kill it, I'm just dead. Yeah, you lose to yourself, yeah. And yeah. which ramp deck should do sometimes. They should have fail rates. Yeah. Yeah, and so so this deck is a little too inconsistent and very bad against Demir, like abysmally bad. Not, <laughs> yeah. not that good against aggressive strategies, like Mono Green and uh, Gruel both have, have a great shot against this deck. And even mm-hmm. the discard and interaction from Golgari, plus like a Pelucranos, uh, beats you as well so this is i only think this deck is good against yorian and luckily i just got to play against a shit ton of yorian this past weekend and just annihilate them all but i would yeah and oh sorry one last thing and uh, the great hand is actually quite good against ugin you have to get rid of ugin to be able to deal with it and they already gained value from it so like the great hand a card that should be bad that style of deck should be bad against Ugin. It costs seven, so you have to completely remove Ugin to deal with it. No, great is not, is not, is a you can't deal with it with an Ugin. Oh, yeah. What you can, you can plus Ugin and then minus nine if, if such a thing is possible, but yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay, Great Edge is even better than the point I was trying to make. So, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah but okay. usually that card's not that good because you do something more powerful than that. You can ignore it and just kill them. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Okay. Next deck up is Orzov Doom. Now, this is another Yorion deck, but, you know, it's uh, card advantage, hand disruption. Uh, you know, it, it plays out very much like Blue-White or Esper, but just a single colored with Elspeth, Elspeth's Nightmare, Treacherous Blessing, Doom Foretold. Yeah. This was a deck that we were working on as a team, and I've seen some other people mm-hmm. playing it, but it's just a little unsophisticated. It doesn't have the counter spells. The games have to go it, long. It doesn't play Omen of the Sea. And honestly, it doesn't play uh, Medeo's Prophecy. And that card, well, I'm probably saying that wrong, but Metamai. whatever. Met- Metamai's Prophecy, that card is just the best card with Doom Foretold. Getting to play it on turn two, Scry two, next turn name Doom Foretold. So, so then you have the flavor of actually foretelling Doom before you play Doom Foretold. It's just, it's just <laughs> so good. Other people, you know? Is other people playing that card or is that just your pet card? No, other people are starting to play it. And and honestly, it is it's better than Omen of the Sea in a deck that is specifically tap out. You know, that yeah. is another card that's very limited. You cannot be playing negates, you cannot be playing disputes. But when you're just playing to the battlefield, which a Doom Foretold deck already wants to do, it plays perfectly into Doom Foretold because you draw two cards and then get to sacrifice it before that useless chapter of looking at the top of each other library or if you play it on turn three it curves naturally into yorian before that useless chapter and then you blink it again draw two more cards in a couple of turns uh i, I think it's insanely strong in the doom foretold list it seems but really in bad in, in blue white yeah, insanely good in mirrors insanely good but very bad in blue white when you want to transition because then the card is just awkward when you want to leave up a counter spell now it's worse than omen of the sea because you don't draw any cards from it and you just it's card disadvantage. But if you're still just playing to the board in every matchup, then it's it's just better than Omen of the Sea, in my opinion. Interesting. I I yeah. ultimately 
am under the impression that it, you're probably going to see a three color Yorion deck is going to be the best one eventually. Mm. Um, just doesn't see like just by nature of I don't I don't think the mana is is that bad for playing a third color, and you just get so many more options when you add that to to a deck that mm-hmm. um, you know something like Orzov here. It's like I I don't you know why not get blue into the deck you know or whatever like just seems like you're kind of handicapping yourself a little bit agreed and honestly just straight blue white some of some lists are playing tranquil cove and that card sucks <laughs> you know so there it feels like you can naturally get rid of lands like that to splash blue red green whatever and get some pathways get some triomes and i agree well, the mana is not the a problem with this format but... is we only have six pathways and five triomes right it once mm-hmm. if, the, if they ever fill out all of them then we can start seeing some interesting combinations but like you know, if you're going to play blue, white, like red is the easiest color to go if you're blue, white or white, black because of your tree on paths. Um, yeah. And so, you know, like it'll it'll change if we ever get an Esper Triome and we get the, the correct pathways and all of that. And then we might have really fucked mm-hmm. up three color mana. Yeah. And I mean, the pathways for black, white. Uh, just are pretty good already too, uh, or for Esper, I should say. You know, you get two pathways. That's pretty good. But well, no, I'm saying a um, full. Yeah. Oh yeah, you get two pathways. Yeah. Yeah, you get the blue black and the white black, and you know that's that's enough because you also don't want a ton of tap lands when you're trying to curve out to Doom Foretold or mm-hmm. shit like that. But yeah. all right, so moving on to another uh, deck that we should would not recommend, and that is Rakdos Midrange. <laughs> now, this deck is just. The flaw for this deck is it's not doing anything exceptionally powerful except for Kroxa, which now all these white decks have infinite removal for. Yep. And um, they still just it's 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 the whole flaw of answer versus threat. And this deck has to answer more powerful cards than it has. Mm-hmm. And that and that is the reason why it's not good, because you you can never. The, the thing about mid-range decks is. More often than not, the better deck in the metagame is the one that when both decks are just doing their plan A proactive strategy, it's whichever one comes out on top and Yorian comes mm-hmm. way far on top when both decks are being proactive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rakdos to me is just the one deck that ported over from the last format pre-bands. It was like the one deck that didn't get touched. So that and Golgari Adventures, people were just like, OK, this is what I'm going to start with because I know that these were OK. They got to be good now. And and now just we're in a different world that people just should put this deck down and just realize that uh, it, it's no longer good. Well, it did. It was fine right away because a lot of people were playing Demir. And I think this deck is very good against Demir. Uh, yeah, I could. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, I think this deck is good against Demir, good against Gruul. Um, and uh, like I think it's fine against Golgari, bad against Mono Green, and bad against Yorian. And and not even bad against Yorian, it's abysmal. It like I mean, apparition glass casket just being natural clean answers, and just omen of the sea being just insane against them. When you eventually get to bring Yorian, it's a heinous matchup for Rakdos. You just can't play that in a tournament where you expect even 6% blue-white Yorian because it's just your auto-lose, you know? I mean, I, I will, like I said before, I think as long as other decks aren't playing a ton of our uh, graveyard interaction, this deck was fine, mm-hmm. but I agree with you. Yeah, uh, fair enough. And fair then enough. the next one is green-white and Bant Yorian. Like, 
why like i i don't get this why 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 the hell um are people playing the great hinge and yorion and wicked wolf and Lanor visionary like why why is this a deck why is this a thing i don't understand it personally i think this deck should be a lot higher um just because of the the yorian mirror matches like just the the creatures sometime can look so very good at just accelerating getting an ecd down before your opponent can ecd it back you know i've lost to that i i i've lost to this deck a decent amount of times but there's also the flip side where I'm on the play. They go Gilded Goose. I glass casket it. They go Visionary. I Skyclave Apparition it. And if I can answer their ramp creatures, then their deck looks heinous. But I, I really have actually lost to this deck. And I, I, I don't know. It, it seems completely fine to me, especially the Bant version where they essentially have seven Charming Princes to go off with Yorian because they have the Mimics. So they can just outvalue you sometimes as the blue white or Esper Yorian deck. I, I don't think it's insane or anything. And I agree that it should be below the uh, lines of decks that we should play. But I do think there is some world where maybe a green white X deck, a green white X Yorian list could actually be strong because there is something there. I just don't think it's, you know, busted or anything. But. Yeah, I played some with the green white version. I haven't I haven't played the band version or actually haven't even seen the list for the band version. And mm -hmm. I, I would be interested to see those lists because I think that that's probably a better angle than pure green white. It's um, just green white with mimics and negates in the sideboard and one island for fabled passage. That's all it is. OK, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I felt like this deck uh, did some cool things, but ultimately felt a little bit weaker than blue white to me because mm -hmm. number one like uh the situation where you you outramp your opponent i could definitely see that being a thing but in, in games where that doesn't happen like i would much rather be on the side of the matchup that has negates and essence scatters than the side that doesn't when you're when your deck is all about one specific card which is yorion or even mm -hmm. elspeth conquers deck to get back yorion uh i i think that i'd much rather be on the blue side of that matchup um, yeah. And then ultimately, I I just felt like some of the cards didn't play as well with Yorion as as other decks did. Um, for mm -hmm. example, Trail of Crumbs in Yorion, I thought was was worse than Omen of the Sea in Yorion uh, mm -hmm. because you don't get the value immediately. It's it's delayed value unless you specifically have Gilded Goose to go with it. Um, yeah. It's such a mana investment to get the value out of Trail of Crumbs. You, you need you need like the. I don't know. You need like the enablers and the payoffs there to get your value out of it. Uh, I don't know. It, it felt like the deck was a little bit weaker to me. Didn't and do as much. Didn't do as impressive things with Yorion. Didn't cycle the Yorions as well. That kind of stuff. And honestly, I feel like not being 80 cards now instead of just being the 60 card version is actually becoming more of a liability just because games go so long where an eight mana Yorian in your companion slot is actually good. Plus, you can get milled out a lot easier because this card, this deck draws a lot. So I bet Demir Rogues actually destroys this deck where, you know, the 80 card versions, it, it is just tougher to mill them naturally uh, with the extra cards. So Yeah, I, I ran into a number of games uh playing this deck where with the great henge, especially with the great henge going with Yorion, uh, where I didn't have powerful things to draw into and I was <laughs> at risk of milling myself out. Yeah. And so I didn't, I re didn't really like that angle of the deck. I mean, I was, I was still winning those games mostly because 
you know, when you're that far ahead, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're probably still going to win. But I, I did feel that pressure a little bit. And I yeah. think in certain games, you would get exploited there. So totally agree. All right. And last but not least, that's on our list. And this this is uh, the mono green mid Crokey's mono green mid range deck is the best way to describe it. And mm-hmm. nothing, nothing against Crokey's for the build. The build was interesting at the time, but this is about a week old now and people yeah. are still playing it. Um, not that highly, but it's still like one of the top 10 most played decks. Mm-hmm. Um, so the deck that I'm talking about is Gilded Goose, um, Wolf, Wolf, whatever, Haven, Wolf Willow, Wolf Willow Haven, uh, Scavenger News, Trail, Wicked Wolf, Vivian, and the Troll, whatever the Troll's name is. Feasting, Feasting Troll King. King. Yes, Feasting King. Troll King. Now, now, the reason that this deck, the origin of this deck is interesting. It's pretty cool. Um, Demir, when Demir was really big and popular, um, Crokey's was playing Demir and then played against somebody that was playing Feasting Troll King and and food, and they milled over a Feasting Troll King, and then uh, you know, Crokey's milled one over for them, and then they just returned it and sacked three food and looked at three cards with the trailer crumbs, and he immediately built a version and started playing it. And then this mm-hmm. got refined. I do not remember who refined it, but they won last weekend's Magic Online uh challenge. challenge. Uh, with a very refined, I think Zach from Team Lotus Box. Zach, what's what's the last name? Keeney. Keeney yeah, Zach Keeney's yeah. updated this deck, and somebody else won with it. And uh, the deck was cool then, but then the format flipped. Yorion. That's around the time that Yorion became more focused on this past weekend, and the other decks started mm-hmm. showing up. And that's when this deck should immediately like blipped out, but yeah. it's still being played slightly and for anyone that's out there playing this like i would switch over to the uh, the more aggressive green version than play this one because blue well demir is still out there it's lowering in its numbers and that version of green is just a much better deck against yorion as than this one is Mm -hmm. surprisingly uh you know like i agree blue white yorion just destroys this deck but surprisingly the esper doom i I, I, it's a must work, must work, excuse me. Uh, it is a much worse matchup for me than for Blue White. Like, just them sacking Troll King to my Doom Foretold is a frustrating thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I, like, and that's, that's the really cool thing about this metagame is that I, I'm, I'm a true believer that, um, a deck like Esper is supposed to be designed to beat the top three, four decks in the metagame right now and then lose to some of mm-hmm. the other decks. And, yeah. and the format's kind of rock, paper, scissory where we've talked about things. It's like, well, I like Gruul Ventures because it's beating Blue and es- and and Yorion decks, or at least that's what I believe. And it's kind mm-hmm. of 50-50 or worse against other decks. Um, yep. But then you could also play the Demir decks to prey on the Yorion decks and some of the other strategies. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I like Esper because I like preying on... Golgari Adventures, Demir Rogues, and the blue-white decks, but I lose to uh, Gruul Adventures. You know, that these kind of things where every deck has a weakness is what standard should be about, and that's what gives me hope uh, that, you know, it, it will be Rock, well, Paper, Scissors instead of Rock, Paper, Scissors. Brian just yeah. shit all over me an hour ago. Yeah? No, I'm kidding. Oh, that, that was when we took <laughs> our break between the pre-show and the podcast, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fair, fair. Yeah. <laughs> we don't take breaks, though. We, we work straight through. You're right. <laughs> but yeah, so, so uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of our breakdown of where the metagame's at. If, you know, we all, all three of us actually 
are piloting different decks this weekend. I don't know if we're championing them mm-hmm. for our audience, but I really like Grill Adventures right now. Corey likes Esper Doom Foretold, and Brian is playing Blue White Yorion and thinks that uh, <laughs> some build of this Yorion or a three color deck is going to, you know, be the best thing. It'll be nice uh, next week to unpack and and see what happens after this event. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate the tact and how you worded that. What you said? <laughs> I like Gruel Adventures. Corey likes S for Yorian, and Brian's playing Blue White Yorian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's accurate. Like I, I don't think I have enough knowledge to say how good I think various decks yeah. are. Yeah, but yeah. I, I like God, that it was. I, yeah, it is funny. Cut rolling off the tongue though. Yeah, I just can't wait to see Brian 12-0 this weekend. I'm going to just fucking love it. That's just <laughs> not going to happen. But. 12-0 would be absurd. I mean, I would I yeah. would, I would, lock in a 7-5 right now. Oh, yeah. So Dude, such would, insane competition. If you told me I went 6-6, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll lock that shit in. <laughs> would you lock a 5-7? It's close. It's real close. Crazy. I mean, no, Brad. Brad, you always aim for colossal dreadma. You never aim for below or 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 above. You know that's that's what it's all about. It's the best. It's the best card in Magic. So why not well, try I, to be that record? Well, I'm 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 more of a landfall person this weekend. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot for a prime time. Prime evil time. Okay. 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 Sure. Sure. Uh, but yeah. So that that is our list. Um, I think next week, unless something drastic changes in the community, we'll be we'll be readdressing standard again because this is just going to be an ever evolving format. A lot of tournaments are coming up in standard. We're going to be talking about the upcoming tournaments. We'll segue into that right now. Like this weekend, mm-hmm. there's the Mythic Society Arena Community Cup. That's historic. The Red Bull Week of Wings concludes with a thirty five thousand dollar two day event that's standard historic. You can still qualify. Um, for that by going getting four wins out of six rounds and any other qualifiers and by the time you hear this there will still at least be three more qualifiers um cool cool probably four that you could you could qualify or register for that tournament does start like at 6 a.m saturday morning eastern time uh three you know yeah it's really early on the the west coast but for the next couple weekends right we've got league play this weekend but then the weekend after that we've got Another CFB clash the weekend after that. We've got split play. And excuse me, next weekend, the most exciting event of them all, the Arena Open. I cannot wait for that. Oh, yeah, not this weekend, but the the upcoming after that, yeah. Mm-hmm. That. Yep. Yeah, that's standard too, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's going to be good. And, and, I want to test for that. Time, I want to play this it. This time you can qualify with best of three on day one too. You sure can. It's, it's uh, You have to have a worse record, like five and one or something, instead of seven and one um yeah so i i'm pumped the last time i got to play it i walked away with two grand so i'm gonna try it again yeah and can you get a loss on the second day you can right you can always get one and i think you can actually get like in best of one you can get two losses day one and i'm guessing with a match you can at least get one loss i i don't know the specifics of it but i i went seven and one and got 2k the first time yeah i'll definitely be playing it that weekend um Oh yeah. And uh but yeah, so So we'll get we'll get everyone prepared for it next week. Yep. Well maybe maybe we can bring what deck we would play, Bradley. Oh, and we, Brian. We will definitely be doing that. <laughs> um but yeah, so so we're gonna keep talking about standard, but that's it for now. Just hoping that today, you know, this breakdown will help you kind of like unpack where this format is currently at. Um but and then maybe next week we'll like pick a few decks and talk about their spectrums because you know, hopefully this weekend proves if you're supposed to be the solemn version of blue white or you're supposed to be the thirst 
version of blue white or what kind of esper decks are actually good what kind of demir decks what kind of gruel decks you know like there's there's so many variations on each strategy and we're gonna learn a lot that's for yeah, sure we're gonna, we're gonna learn, learn a lot we're also just weekend. gonna learn what all the best players also think right we're just three yeah. people and there's there is 72 mpl and rivals this weekend all registering decks focused on beating other the other best players in the world so there while there mm -hmm. will be some aggressive takes that might not be ladder appropriate uh i'm i'm guessing a lot of people did test on the ladder as well and you know there's a bias in that and so like we will see what other people were being successful with or think is good so it's going to be very interesting to see what everyone plays i'm excited to see decks on friday morning same same i'm going to be streaming friday with a, a bunch of mpl and rival decks i can't wait Ooh, maybe maybe friday morning we should just uh, do a stream on your stream and just go over all the decks Ooh, i could be interested in that yeah that would be pretty cool that would be fun i'd be in yeah i'll think about that i'll try to set that up if you're interested that would be kind of cool okay absolutely um, all right so that is it for that we've talked about our upcoming events again thank you mtg melee for sponsoring us to be the official podcast of mtg melee and i forgot uh, the most important upcoming event the next bash bros battles tournament will be on november 15th we've already Ooh. set that date thank you again bcw for sponsoring us and our tournament series we had a blast the last two times and that's been great and also uh for all of you patrons out there before we get to our cast and crew today i uh, would like to say that Corey does have his updated esper sideboard guide and uh list in the discord right now and i will be dumping some some of my deck lists that i've worked on um mm -hmm. And you got a team of ramp one in there for anybody who wants to uh, take a deck that we did not recommend. <laughs> yeah, I got a cyber for that. But yeah, like I have my specific builds of a lot yeah. of different decks, and I will be posting all of those probably today in the Discord, but you won't see it until tomorrow. Um, oh, sick. But yeah, so I'll be posting what I've been playing, what builds of each deck I've been playing um, for, for all of my testing. And you can take a look at like that six or seven deck lists. Wow, and I, uh, I I thought my Esper Doom list and Cyborg Guide was going to be valuable, but shit, that's, uh, that's build, way better. I'm not going to build Multiple a Cyborg lists. Guide for all of them because there's so many decks. Oh, I would. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But some nice lists to uh, to look off to for the Arena Open next week. That's a valuable tool. Yeah, you can just get some good ideas from the list that I think are best for each type of archetype. But yeah, I'll be posting that. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, that'll be in the Discord by then uh, if you want to if you want to join but anyway let's get to our cast and crew Woo! all right so our cast and crew, for that doesn't know is uh all of our wonderful patrons that are on a tier where they pay us to then work for us and so Naturally, we talk about yeah. them and their jobs here and the first one we're going to kick off with is wapa who is my personal barista but also uh is is taking on a, a secondary role as our personal dog walkers as Corey and i both uh, have become dog owners this year because 2020 is a miserable year and everything sucks. Puppies are. Yeah, great, we need though. some we need some cute stuff to to make us feel better. Yeah, but Wapa yeah, did absolutely. say that even though they want to take on more responsibility, they would not walk Brian. How do you feel about that, Brian? Totally fine because I don't walk anyway. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. We also have Adham. Adham is our ghostwriter. Uh, so he actually wrote. Uh, Everything that you've heard on this podcast and also Nicolas Cage's entire career. Fuck you, man. I was going to make a Ghost Rider joke. <laughs> I got there first. Get fucked. 
Impressive. Thanks. Well, to be fair, Adham wrote the joke, but right. yeah, whatever. That's does semantics. Adam control our whole life? How meta does this get? I mean, I haven't said my own thought in about a year and a half. So <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets yeah. real deep, real dark. Yeah. Don't go down that rabbit hole for your own sanity, please. I beg mm, you. Makes I've sense. D- I've done it. And look where it's gotten me. So totally agree. Another person I have begged to stop doing their job is David Watt, and that is our special guest screener. Um, you know, just uh, it, normally, normally some decent stuff. We've uh, you know, we've had a giant you know? piece of shit, but I'm going to say David Watt did a good job this week. All right, oh, all right, you. David. We'll we'll give you a slack this time. Um, you know, Brian Brown doing you you had some expert opinions here, so so um, fine. On behalf of David Watt, I say thank you. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Right. So Gino Batista <laughs> was going to be our special guest, but uh, never mm. never really has time to make it on the show, uh, which sucks. And uh, oh, don't read this part. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Why do you guys, you guys keep giving that role to yourselves and you keep reading the part you're not supposed to read. That's why, that's why I 100% delegated this. You read left to right? (laughs) I didn't even write that in there. I keep trying to delete it and then you guys keep adding it back, including the don't read this part part. And then you keep reading the part. Ah. But go on, Bradley. <laughs> All right, anyway, well, why, why was Gino unable to make the podcast this week? Yeah, the problem, <laughs> Gino, uh, well, I, I don't know the actual reason because uh, we actually got Gino's uh, prison personal carrier pigeon delivered to us. Uh, okay, oh, of message. course, yeah. And because because last week they they were sadly sentenced uh, by a jury of their peers, and um, they were rightfully right. arrested. Correct. Mm. They did. They were guilty. Yeah, they were guilty, yeah. and uh, so. The message said, cannot make the show in prison now. My brother's not happy. So I don't I don't know mm. what's going on here, but I'm uh, I'm going to tune in next week. Yeah, we okay. didn't actually even know that Gino had a brother no. until this moment. Yeah, until this moment. Or that he was unhappy about the circumstances. Yeah, yeah scary stuff. We got to we got to keep it. A, keep keep a close watch on Gino here. Speaking of keeping, speaking of keeping a close oh watch, I can visualize the, the the fucking movement. The reason of the delay, I can just vision it. All right, here we go. Here we There's go. no Who's reason up next. There was no reason to envision it because, in fact, I prepared ahead of time. And before we started the podcast, when you asked me if I was ready, and I said no, I needed a moment. The reason mm. I needed a moment was to get myself in position to get myself prepared to say that Paul. Cat Sorowski is the wall staring photographer. Um, (laughs) Some great shit lately. Oh man, (sighs) we still need to to get Paul some uh, some shots of you from different angles. Yeah, well, actually, I think uh, Paul actually found where BBD was in. You've got mail, right? Which was impressive. That was impressive work. Yeah. So. Like last week I was on the podcast because I was in the movie You Got Mail and yeah. uh, Paul actually went back, did a little detective work and found the scene that I was in. So that was truly impressive uh, yeah. there. Your so. acting work was amazing in there, I, I must say. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, certainly some of my best work. The Oscars <laughs> did not agree, but fuck them. So, Fuck them. Yeah. All right. Next up, we got Max, and that is my linguistic coach. Uh, you know, most of the time I say everything perfect and clear, but for those very rare times, Paul, or I mean, Max really helps me out. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, blame Adam. Thanks, Max, for all you do. Um, all right, Brian, you're up next. Uh, I think you skipped Phil. No, I don't think I skipped Phil. No, I would never skip Phil. I didn't skip Phil. It's you're you're next. No, Brad, you're you're up next. We take turns. It yeah. goes it what goes is, you, uh, then BBD, then me, then it's you. Yeah, we got Phil on the list here. Yeah, Phil, what thanks is, for yeah. being on the cast and crew. All right, BBD, you're up. But we, what does Phil do though, Bradley? What did you? What would you say you do around here? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Phil does. <laughs> yeah, okay. I should have figured it out. Should have messaged Phil. Didn't message Phil. Don't know what Phil does. <laughs> and there's no need to know either. Yeah, in the so, yeah, it, it it ultimately doesn't matter. But uh, one of our hardest working employees at what? Who knows? Who cares? But really does a great <laughs> job. We we think. <laughs> I mean, do we right, really we got... know what anyone does? No, we don't. Including mm. Sultan Abbasi. Sultan is our designated mana dork. And I'm going to be honest, I don't even know what that implies. You know, there's, 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 a, there's a number of things that that could imply. Much like Phil, we don't really know. Like, so. how good mm. of a mana dork, too? Like, is this, a, is this an Elvish visionary mana dork? Or let <laughs> yeah, is this, like so a noble hierarch? Is, is Sultan a noble hierarch, maybe? Who knows? Yeah, is this Sylvan Karyatid, or is this that random O3 that produced a G? You know, like, we don't really know. Yeah, yeah. So could be could be a, a great job, could be a terrible one. We really, really have no idea. So next up, we got Sam Perdome, and that is the BBP personal fitness trainer. As everyone knows, we've been at home, sitting around a lot. Sam really makes sure we at least lift one thing or take at least one step per day. Sometimes just uh, think about it. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. just thinking about I love those days because I'm not a big fan. But, you know, Sam's Sam's keeping me from, you know, dying of, uh, you know, lack of movement. So that's good. I don't walk. Mm. Yeah, it's, mm. it's a personal preference of Brian's. Mm, I've got to it. We live in a free world. I'll walk if I want to. <laughs> you can leave your friends behind because if your friends don't walk and if they don't walk, well, they're no friends of mine. Eric Nall. Uh, is our leader of the trash turnouts. Now, if you are wondering what the trash turnouts is, so are we. Yeah, we we're also wondering, <laughs> but also you could go, you'll have to go back and listen to the last year of Bash Bros podcast cast and cruise to get that backstory yeah. because who we Eric had a long road ahead. He's our fastest inclining uh uh, cast and crew member, that's for damn sure. I don't think he's been taking the road lately because he's taken his space. True. It's a different true, frontier entirely. He started as a lonely trash can in one of our rooms, and look at him now, though. It is uh, beautiful. He's to... a dumpster, not a can. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. It is great to see a dumpster grow into just being a horribly astronaut. Hor- horribly. Well, I was thinking horribly corrupt, corrupt cult leader. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That true. That true. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have uh, Gare Meldy. And that is our merch store manager. Um, actually, an upgrade there was previously our merch store assistant to the assistant. regional man to the assistant <laughs> merch store regional manager. We fired everyone in between. So yeah, uh, now now just the merch store manager. It was just a uh, so any hmm. of those Bash Bros podcast short shorts with heinous across the ass. You have mm. gear to thank or blame for those, depending on your predilection. <laughs> yeah, we are adding something to our merch store. Now, if you, if you didn't know that we do have a merch store, we should have a link to it in the description below. If we don't, 
John, could you add one? Um, <laughs> but we do, in fact, have a merch store, and we have sold items on it. Uh, have we? Sweet. Yeah, I don't think many. <laughs> That's all right. Like, oh, That's all right. Like many. We're talking, you know. But I think we're going to get Spanx added uh, to our merch store. I don't know what Spanx are, but I think we're getting Spanx. Oh. Okay. Spanx? Well, spank me. Spank me they sideways. Are, they are stretchy pants. Ooh, that's great. So sweatpants. Ooh, I like those. No, I, I like think those. I think more like uh, tights or whatever. Oh, okay. But a little bit less see-throughy. I, I'm not 100% on this, so don't quote me on that. Hmm. Oh, we're going to find out. All right, next up, we got Jason Florent, and that's my arch nemesis because, well, you know, quite frankly... Jason has never beat me in a match of magic. Maybe not even a game if we could go back in time and go look at it. But you know what? He's a he's a great fella, stand-up guy. His day will come, but just it won't be soon or ever. I don't, but, I don't <clears throat> actually think that that is true. Mm, mm, you think his day will never come? Brad, you're up next. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, checking here, and uh, they. Well, we don't have to. So we don't have to double check. They, just Google. They in fact, did win a game against you in round six of the first Bash Bros tournament that was on 9 yeah. 20, 2020. Fake news. Wow, the year twenty twenty just keeps getting worse and worse. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh my god! Amber literally just rolled up in Spanx. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I don't want you to be confused. <laughs> <laughs> Just wearing them over sweatpants. I needed you to understand. Wow. This is a I fucking did Google, fashion statement. And I, I did wow. Google them to find out that they were women's underwear of some kind, but the images made it look like they were kind of, I, I don't know. I'm I don't not going to lie. I am very turned on right now. Wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That Adam is Brown, next up. Yeah. <laughs> next up is uh, ooh, perfect, Patrick, who is our office party coordinator. What kind of party? And what an office yeah. party it was today. Yeah, yeah, what an office party it was. <laughs> you know, most most office politics and most office laws are you know no fraternizing with with this with everyone, but you know your coworkers, but not around here. <laughs> All right, and next up is our good buddy, uh, Filippos Galanis, and that is our Aspros podcast liaison. You know, does a lot of stuff on the tail end uh, for that podcast. You know, we're very thankful um, to Filippos, and just, we, that's all you can say. A lot of people talk a big talk, but Filippos can actually back it up. He really can back back it up. Um, all right, next week. <laughs> next up lazy we got brad loror and he is our chief executive officer so powerful position yeah so Loror, if you're a ceo can you start making more decisions because we are floundering <laughs> <laughs> oh he's been making decisions he's been sacrificing the future of our company for short-term gains oh so that he can oh, segue he can sell it. Well, he gets them all. That's the whole Brad, point. We're Brad, the, didn't you hear? We're gaining spanks. That's our gains, dude. He, he gets them all. We don't get the rewards of our labor. That's how it works. That's how it always yes. works. Yay. And then yes. he'll segue. He'll segue mm -hmm. that into a higher paying CEO job, leaving us with a battered shell of the Bash Bros podcast. Uh yeah, years. sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yay, capitalism. All right. And last but not mm -hmm. least on our cast and crew is Victor, 
who is our executive producer. Now, if you don't know what an executive producer is, that's okay because we really don't get it either. But Victor loves to party with us, and that's cool. <laughs> True that. I'm uh, I'm Victor, and I like to party. <laughs> 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 All right, well, that is well, it for this week, everyone. Uh, wish Brian and I good luck this weekend when we play in our MPL split. Uh, we actually play one of our matches against each other, and Wizards has us up for a feature match. So Sunday evening, you'll be able to watch Brian and I duke it out on MPL Weekly. Oh, wait, no, rebranded. Something about league play. <laughs> That's going to be funny to watch. I really, really, really can't wait to watch that. Oh, it'll be good. It'll 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 be a fantastic match. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a tough one. We all have to play twelve matches throughout two days of of intense magic against a lot of good players, and we'll see how mm-hmm. how things settle. But yeah, hopefully people watch. Hopefully uh, people are entertained. You'll be able to watch Corey doing commentary. Corey's uh Corey's getting the jobs that Brian and I should we, like. We're on the wrong side of this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, one 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 day, boys. One day you'll make it. <laughs> yeah yeah it's gonna be fun i can't wait it's gonna be a blast all right well thanks everyone for watching again we'll be back next week with more standard action uh again just for a recap we we have Corey's decklist and cyber guy for esper in the discord and i'll be dumping all of my decklist that i was testing for this tournament i've been playing magic for like four or five days straight and so all of my decklist uh that I ended up not selecting will be in there too. So if you like an archetype that I also played, maybe there's something in there. Ask me a few questions in there. I'll try to get to any that come in my way, but that's it for this week. Brian, thank you for being on the podcast. You were a wonderful special guest. Thank you for uh, is, having me. Is there, it was a delight. Is there anywhere anyone can find you? Uh, just so you know. <laughs> the basement. <laughs> Literally, that's the only place. Just anybody's basement. I'm in everyone's basement always. (laughs) So I have a question. Um, So you were in, you've got mail, but you were in the 2017 horror, the basement. I was, yes. Wow, that is that is a low Rotten Tomato score. Yeah. Well, I want to say that I contributed to it. Whether or not I contributed to the points missing or the points provided is up to the just you know yeah up to the the listener but here's the kicker one serial That's killer fair. 12 personalities the nightmare begins are you one of oh. are you are you one of those said personalities i would are you a victim i would say i would say i'm between zero and six of those personalities <laughs> all right goodbye everyone <laughs> Holy shit, there's some, oh my god i'm gonna stop looking at this all right see y'all